Spencer Turnbull goes out and does his job, but the offense, defense, and bullpen all fail him. So he remains winless as a big leaguer as the Tigers fall 3-2 in extra innings, dropping their fifth in a row to fall a game under 500. I'll break it all down for you today, preview today's afternoon game against the White Sox, and compare the Tigers to the Rays on today's Locked On Tigers podcast. It is Thursday, April 18th, 2019. I am your host, Chris Brown, and as always, before we begin, I remind you to go ahead and download, rate, and review this show on any of your favorite podcast platforms. You know the ones. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Himalaya. And also, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Tigers. And before the game, we got a bit of news that was a little bit shocking. Matt Moore is done for the season. You know, they talked about with his knee injury, it was going to be four to six weeks. I guess maybe eight weeks, but no, whole season, done for. So when they cut him open, they must have seen some sort of Civil War battlefield in there. And if that's it for his Tigers career, he finishes with a spotless ERA over 10 innings, a true Tigers legend. But to yesterday's game, as I mentioned before, Spencer Turnbull was on the mound, still looking for his first Major League Baseball win. And it started off a little bit like his previous start. He got two quick outs, the first one on one pitch. They gave up a walk, a single, and a stri- got a strikeout. It took 22 pitches, so that was not a great start. It was okay, no damage. And the second, up and down, 14 pitches. The second out was a hard grounder off his glove that bounced right to Harrison, so that was kind of fortunate, and they came out and looked at him, but he was fine. Third inning, strikeout, strikeout, hard ground out. Uh, Ronnie Rodriguez made a wild two-seam throw from shortstop to first base, and a little bit more on that later. And then we head to the fourth. He got a one-pitch ground out. Walked Josh Bell and gave up a hard liner off Harrison's glove. It popped up in the air right back to Harrison, but he couldn't do much with it. And then rain started to come down pretty hard. Eight-pitch strikeout to Cervelli. Impressed. He threw a 3-2 slider to Cervelli in the rain. That was really nice. But then he left up a 2-2 slider to Jung Ho Gang, and he hit it really hard, like 105 miles an hour, but it was right to Ronnie Rodriguez at shortstop, and he just booted it. He went to left field, and the Pirates score up one nothing. And on that play... It looked like Kristen Stewart had a chance to throw Bell out at home. Bell basically hit the bag at third right when Stewart had the ball, but he just hesitated and then started running in and then threw it to shortstop. So I don't know what he was doing. So, yeah, this is another game where a lack of a viable shortstop uh, as a backup hurts them. And then a deep fly ball ends the inning. So that was the, the only damage against Turnbull on the day. Fifth, he gets a strikeout looking, fly out, ground out. And the sixth, one pitch ground out, deep fly out to left field, ground out to first base. And that's it. Six innings. 92 pitches, 10 ground balls to just four balls in the air, two hits, one on and run, two walks, five strikeouts, just eight swings and misses, and eight of the 15 balls in play against him were hit hard, harder than 95 miles an hour, which is kind of a lot, but six of them were on the ground, which is where you want to keep them if you're going to give up hard contact. It was more than enough to win, but alas. So seventh inning, Victor Alcantara comes in, ground out, another wild throw from Ronnie Rodriguez that pulls Nico Goodrum off the first base bag. A great defensive stop by Jamer Candelaria at third base and a hard-hit grounder from Jung Gong. And then a weak ground out. So Calcantara does his job. But in the eighth inning, Joe Jimenez is just a disaster. That gives up a hard liner right past him, then walks the next batter, and then he gets up 0-2 on Starling Marte and then pegs him right in the ear hole of the helmet. Scary. Uh, and at that point, you just know he doesn't have it. So they, they pull him out. Bases loaded, nobody out. Daniel Stump comes in, gets a huge strikeout of Colin Moran, throws a fastball up by his head, and Moran can't help but swing at it. And it looked like maybe he got Josh Bell to swing and miss on a 2-2 count in the next at bat, but first base ump said he didn't go. And then they gave up a sack fly to left field and kind of an awkward play where Kristen Stewart grabs it and, and he's trying to throw it back in and his cleat digs into the ground and he falls down. And later he would have to leave the game because of that. And then the final out was a fly out to Jones. But we're tied at two now. And the rain returns in the ninth, but Shane Green does his job. He gets a ground out. Once again, Ronnie Rodriguez pulls Goodrum off the bag. He's called safe initially, but uh, on, upon review, he's out. So that's four bad plays from Ronnie Rodriguez at shortstop in one game. 
Again, no viable backup shortstop on the big, big league team right now. But Green comes back, gets a strikeout of Kang, a walk, and another strikeout. So still tied at two. Tigers can't score in the ninth, so we head to the tenth, and it's Buck Farmer out there, and he just didn't have it either. He gave up a double, single, single, and five pitches. Pittsburgh's up three to two. He gets a double play after that, and then they pull him, and Verhagen gets a strikeout, but the damage is done. 3-2 Pirates heading into the bottom of the 10th. So, let's hear about how the Tigers got those fantastic two runs. Josh Harrison still leading off. Strikes out to begin the game on three pitches. Not a great way to do it. Uh, Nick Castellanos with his deep fly ball. It was one of those ones where it looked like he thought he got it. He has a little crow hop after he hits the ball, but dies on the warning track in right field. And then weak fly out for Cabrera. Second inning, they go down on 14 pitches. Third inning starts with a Ronnie Rodriguez bunt. One of the silliest bunts you'll ever see. It was, you know, normally hitters will slide one of their hands up the bat a little bit to get more control of the barrel but Rodriguez kept both of his hands down at the knob it just kind of stuck the bat out there it was almost like an intentional check swing but he got on base and then John Hicks hit into a double play Jacoby Jones gets hit by a pitch and then Josh Harrison gets a double uh, that was the, a weak grounder under the shortstop's glove. It was the most friendly scoring decision I've ever seen in my life, and I can't imagine that they won't change it. You know, Harrison did hustle to second, but this was literally a three-hopper to shortstop, hit at 69 miles an hour that went on their glove. I don't know how they called that a hit. But then Nick Castellanos fouls out right up the old chimney to the catcher, and that's it. Head to the fourth. Miggy leads off with a single. Nico Goodham strikes out, but then Stewart draws a, a nice eight-pitch walk, really good at bat. Then Candelero gets hit by a pitch, so the base is loaded, one out, and Ronnie Rodriguez hits a shallow sacrifice fly, and they send Cabrera, and it was really a surprise, and he would have been a dead duck, but the throw from the left fielder was up the first baseline a little bit. It was close enough still that they reviewed it, but he was safe, so we're tied at one at that point. And then uh, John Hicks hits a bloop single on an 0-2 pitch that was another... Uh, the left fielder misread it. He started back and then came in and it was too late. So basically the Tigers were kind of gifted these two runs, but they're up 2-1 to one and we'll take it for then. But we know what happened later, of course. And so the fifth, Josh Harrison actually hits the ball hard, but it's a line out. Nick Castellanos doubles to left field, but then Mickey hits a weak grounder and Nico with a hard grounder. So again, fail to get the runner in with runners in scoring position. Just one for seven yesterday. Sixth inning starts off with a leadoff single, but then a weak ground out, a strikeout, and a ground out. Seventh inning, they go down in order on 11 pitches. Eighth inning, they go down in order on nine pitches. Ninth inning, they go up against Nick Birdie, Cy, the guy I wanted them to get in the Rule 5 draft last year. Strikes out Candelario, gets a pop-out, strikes out Hicks on nine pitches. Looks absolutely dominant in doing so. Whatever. So then the Tigers are down 3-2 to two to start off the 10th. Jacoby Jones gets a hard single on a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. It's really good to see. But then a weak grounder from Josh Harrison again. They can't turn two because it was hit so weakly, but they get Jones off the bases and get Harrison, which is, a, I think, an exchange any team would take because Jones is the fastest player on the team, and Harrison is just kind of below average. They get another deep liner from Nick Castellanos, and Miguel Cabrera strikes out swinging to end the game. Just another pathetic offensive showing. Just two runs on seven hits. It's the eighth time this year already they've been held to two runs or fewer. They have 45 runs in 17 games. At some point, I feel like this is going to end, but boy, I really can't tell you when. But speaking about being pathetic and not scoring nearly enough, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in the bedroom. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever you reach scoring position. Now, this just isn't for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no talking to a pharmacist, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're 
cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB, to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. So now let's take a look at this White Sox team that the Tigers will be playing later today. They come to town for a four-game series, sitting at 7-10, and 10, having just come off series wins against the Royals and the Yankees. Yesterday, they lost an in extra innings in a contentious game that saw Tim Anderson hit a homer and celebrate by throwing the hell out of his bat. And then he got plunked in his next plate appearance, which everybody saw coming. And then for some reason, he got kicked out. <laughs> Although I, he, he walked a first. He wasn't you know, he didn't walk calmly and not pay attention. He was jawing a little bit, but I, I didn't see any reason for him to get kicked out. But the benches cleared. Most people just stood around and didn't do anything until Royals bullpen coach and former Tigers great Vance Wilson got into a, a jawing match with White Sox manager Rick Renneria. Uh, but I still don't know why Anderson got run. Anyway, the White Sox offense has been pretty pedestrian overall so far, but a couple of players are absolutely scorching hot right now. Anderson, who I mentioned, it was his fourth home run. He's hitting 424 with basically no walks. He's got an absurd 488 batting average on balls in play. Yohan Moncada is now playing third base, and he's starting to look like the number one overall prospect from a couple years ago. He's uh, hitting 330 with five homers, a couple of steals. He's still striking out, but he's cut down his strikeouts a lot. And you got Yonder Alonso, who they signed basically, I think, to in the hopes of getting Manny Machado. He's uh, only hitting like 200, but he, he's got like an 18% walk rate, so he's on base 35% of the time. You got the stud rookie Eloy Jimenez who's just kind of feeling his way out uh, through these first few weeks. But he's really dang good. You know, in, in the minors, his numbers weren't all that different than Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s. And you got Jose Abreu, who just kills Tigers pitching. He has three home runs so far, but he's only hitting like 180. So, you know, Tigers might be able to get him going. And then our old friend James McCann is there hitting 280 with a homer so far. So, and Tyson Ross has pitched pretty well for the Tigers so far. He had a little bit of a blip in his last outing. But, yeah, I mean, this, this seems like a manageable lineup, but they're hitting well right now. And if he leaves pitches out over the plate, just like any other pitcher, if, if he does it, they'll probably make him pay. They'll be swinging a lot. From the offensive perspective, they're going to be running up against Ivan Nova, who uh, they've done a bit of a damage against in their career. Mostly the usual suspects. Uh, Mickey is 6 for 23 with a homer and a double. Castellanos is 3 for 10 with a double. Beckham is actually 3 for 10 against him. But Nova's coming off a really strong start against his old club, the Yankees. Six innings, four hits, an earned run, one walk, five strikeouts. He's got a fringe average fastball. His curve has always been his best pitch. It's not a great arsenal of pitches, but he's managed to have average exit velocity against him, and he's been able to avoid hard contact and barrels for the most part. So he's been a bit lucky, and his stuff makes me think that this should be sort of a slugfest, but his numbers so far this year and this Tigers offense suggest it might be another tough day at the plate. If it comes down to the bullpens, I think the Tigers have a little bit of an advantage. The White Sox did go out and get Kelvin Herrera and Alex Colomay as their closer, and those guys are good, but the rest of the bullpen's just kind of iffy. Nate Jones, who was once the closer of the future, has just struggled a lot since he came back from injuries. So yeah, in that event, I think the Tigers might be able to do some damage. And so uh, yeah, I'll finish with a question here from Rob. He says, all I hear about is how good the Rays front office is and how good their farm system is. Can you explain some of the things that they're doing differently than the Tigers? I suspect that they do what they do because they have to being in that division and being a small market. Uh, That franchise might not survive even if they do win. And that part is sad but true. But yeah, I'm glad, Rob, that you asked this because I often will criticize the Tigers front office without explaining how they compare to other clubs. And usually if we do talk about other front offices it's like Houston or the Cubs or the Yankees but the Rays really are a great example of forward-thinking front office and you're absolutely right they, a lot of what they do is out of necessity you know what, what is the old saying the necessity is the mother of invention they don't have the sort of budget or resources that other teams do so they have to be smarter and better at a lot of that and we saw that last year when they took the idea of an opener you know a reliever who starts the game pitches one inning or three innings or whatever and they ran with it and some of that was because they lost like eight starters to injury before the season but even still 
how many other teams in that situation would even try that? And it worked like crazy. They, they, they had the best DRA in baseball after they started doing that. So that's one thing. They're just really willing to try just about anything. The openers, they'll have four-man outfields. They've drafted two two-way players in the last two drafts. And that's I think that's admirable. It's something they're just trying new things. And they've also had really, really smart leadership. They In the mid-aughts, they brought in Andrew Friedman as kind of like, I mean, he didn't start as the VP, but he eventually made that way. But he, he was a guy who he played baseball in college, but he was just really smart. He, he was like a financial analyst, you know, uh, somebody who made money for a living. So he had brought that business perspective. And he basically he built that World Series team. And then the Dodgers hired him away because they knew he was really smart. But they are now run by Chaim Bloom, who is like 35 and graduated from Yale with a degree in Latin or Sanskrit or some nonsense like that. But another super smart guy who came up through the system. He's been there since I think Friedman got there and did a little bit of everything, you know, drafting, development, operations, everything. And so he's, he's felt all that and just smart, intelligent people willing to try new stuff. But if I were going to boil it down to one thing, what the Rays as a whole do better than the Tigers, I would just say that they're so much better at scouting and developing and identifying the kinds of players that they can help improve. And when I say scouting and development, I mean at all levels, not just in the draft. And this is one of those things that worries me a great deal about the Tigers rebuild because it seems so heavily dependent on the draft. And that nobody hits in the draft at a super high rate. It just doesn't happen. Even the Rays, you know, they, they had a, a draft in 2011 they had 10 of the first 60 picks. So they were picking every six every six picks, and they got one and a half big leaguers out of that. One of them was Mikey Matuk, but the other was Blake Snell, who won the Cy Young last year. So you look at that as a successful draft, but still, that's they picked Snell. That was their seventh pick. So it was like, you know, it's just a crapshoot. And honestly, their subsequent drafts haven't been much better either. So it's, but this is where I mean, what like the other forms of scouting come to play. They are just fantastic at scouting other teams' players, the, the pro scouting, basically, and picking out talent before it matures, or they know right when to get rid of guys before they start going downhill. And they have a knack for finding guys with flaws that they they can fix. So think back to the David Price trade. When the Tigers get David Price, they traded Willie Adamas and Drew Smiley. Willie Adamas was in A-ball at the time, and prospect types knew about him. But other than that, nobody really knew who he was. And he developed into a top 50 prospect, and he's a solid major league player now. And Drew Smiley, as soon as they got him, they basically immediately had him start throwing high fastballs, which has been all the rage in the last five years. But they were doing it, what's it, seven, eight years ago. He turned him into a, a strikeout pitcher. Now, he got injured a lot since then, but it was just immediately changed him. Uh, and last year, they traded Chris Archer, who was solid, but he's always been kind of more of an ace in name rather than actual results. And they traded him to the Pirates, and they got Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now, two young big leaguers that the Pirates basically it appeared that they had given up on, and the Rays almost immediately fixed Glass now. It's ridiculous. So this year, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's got a 1.13 RA in 24 innings. In Meadows, he's their best hitter so far hitting for power and average and taking walks. They got Tommy Pham from the Cardinals for, for nothing. They got Yandy Diaz from Cleveland for Jake Bowers. And Diaz has put up half a win already, and Bowers is at negative .2. They just scout circles around everybody. And that's not even to mention on the international market, where they go out and do what it takes to be able to sign Wander Franco. They paid a ton of money to get him, but it's tough to get these really highly sought-after guys. You have to work hard at it. And now he's a top-five prospect. But they also go out and get guys like Jose Alvarado for fifty grand. And he's now their closer from the left side throwing 100. And they get Diego Castillo for 64 grand. And he's their setup man throwing 100 miles an hour from the right side. And then they go into the backwoods of the Dominican Republic, like literally out in the middle of nowhere, and find Vidal Brujan, pay him 15 grand. And now he's one of the most exciting young infield prospects in baseball with hitting ability, gets on base, steals 50 bases, he's got some pop. They're just good at everything. I can't think of a single thing the Tigers do better than the Rays do, except maybe have more money. Uh, and even then, the Rays spend their money better than the Tigers. The Rays, this last offseason, went out and got Charlie Morton, two years, $30 million, 
which is essentially the amount of years and money that the Tigers gave to Mike Pelfrey and Mark Lowe a few years ago. So let that sink in. So yeah, Rob, I hope that answers your question. Uh, I hate to be so negative about the Tigers, but the Rays are just a really well-run organization. And that's our show for today. I thank everybody for listening, as usual. And if you could do me a favor and go ahead and rate and review the show or tell your friends about the show, that always helps. And uh, you know, check out my work at Town, and also check out the other podcast, Tigers SRD, to get a little bit more in-depth discussion about the team. And I'll be back tomorrow to break down the first game of the White Sox series, preview the rest of the weekend, and wrap up the week. Have a good one.